Hey, great you're listening. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in sustainable development, leadership and happiness. I'm Maaike van der Velde and for the majority of my career I've been working in an action-driven environment where people strive for equal rights, sustainable development for people and planet. In this podcast series I will explore examples of leadership that led to sustainable change. And it doesn't matter if you're working in a commercial enterprise, government or non-profit, What actually matters in this podcast is the drive of people to change something for the environment or the people they care about. Enjoy listening and let me know what you think. All right, today again another episode of Changemaker Podcast and I'm really excited to welcome Zoe, Zoe Papakonomo. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Zoe, um, how to introduce you properly. I think you are a journalist, you are a researcher, a teacher, but also a writer. And I think your main topics are diversity, inclusion and equity in, well, many, many different uh, ways. You recently published two great books, one about inclusive journalism and the other one about inclusive workplaces, which uh, I find really interesting and also important topics to uh, to talk about. So, uh, 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 one more reason for me to uh, approach you to invite you for this uh, interview. Um, and over the last 10 years, I think I saw you developing as a kind of an advocate in this whole debate. You have been raising your voice in, in um, I think, more and more with a, a unique sound. And I think what you do is interesting for me, but also inspiring, I think, for a lot of listeners to yeah, how you how you do that in an engaging way because you connect with a lot of people, but you also yeah, are, are daring to uh, touch upon sensitive topics uh, in, uh, in our society, which I think are important to talk about. So um, today we will zoom in on your journey as an advocate and as a leader <laughs> in this debate. So I'm really, really, uh, yeah, happy and um, uh, looking forward to our interview. Well, me too. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it, Maaike. It's lovely to see you again and um, to exchange uh, our views and knowledge and experience. Before we really dive into your own leadership development, I think it would be interesting to um, listen or to, if you can take us along a little bit in this topic of inclusive leadership. It's also one of your one of uh, the topics in your latest book, the Inclusive Marathon, the Inclusion Marathon, uh, which is about the workplace, eh? inclusive workplaces. And um, well, the topic of inclusive leadership is intriguing me. And uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on it. Why is it important? But also, what are the pitfalls? What is the the edgy things of this whole debate? Yes, of course. So, I mean, maybe we should start with the term inclusive leadership, right? Um, it's the same with my, my first book, which I wrote together with Anne Brecht Dijkman and the Inclusion Marathon I wrote together with Kautvar Buschelicht. But my first book about inclusive journalism, it, it's, it's the same. So what is inclusive journalism or what is inclusive leadership? For me, I mean... Uh, you, you, uh, in the best case, you wouldn't need the word inclusive because inclusive, in my perspective, means best or the best quality. So uh, maybe it's it's an in 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 contradictory in terminus because you just can talk about leadership and journalism because when it's the best form of it, in my perspective, it's it is inclusive because mm. um, it it makes it's the best kind of journalism or leadership you can have. So. 
But because it's uh, the reason we are talking about it is, of course, because we're not a lot of le leadership isn't inclusive yet. And that's also why it's an important topic in our book. And it's also because what Kautra Buschelicht and I did in our book is we interviewed diversity practitioners. So these are people who work in workplaces as a freelancer or in a permanent position. And they work, um, um, they try, are they trying to make the work uh, environment of these organizations more um, equitable, more inclusive and more diverse. So we interviewed them and leadership for them was also a very important part of making uh, workplaces more inclusive. So that's why uh, we devoted an entire chapter to it. Um, so this is the, inclu the inclusive part of the term inclusive leadership. Also leadership for me is something I think about a lot because of course I definitely believe in development of yourself, about, um, about being self-reflective, about learning, uh, inspiring people, that is very important. But what I also see um, within my research, but also I'm also somebody who goes into organizations and also try to uh, look at work environments and, and sometimes give advice is that what we have done is we uh, capitalized leadership and especially individual leadership. Um, I also recently wrote a small post about that on LinkedIn where I post a lot. Um, so what you see, if you want to earn more money, <laughs> what a lot of people want, or they, they want or not even money, but if you want to progress in, a, in an organization, in general, in the Netherlands, uh, you need to, uh, the, one of the only ways that is possible is to become a manager. Mm -hmm. And management uh, basically means that you take responsibility. And in a lot of cases, it's individual responsibility, which is, um, you place a lot of responsibility onto one person. Why not, why don't we value um, ways to have more collective responsibility a bit more? Uh, and, and people that are able to, um, for me, that is leadership if you are able to share responsibility mm -hmm. and to create an environment where you have collective responsibility. But in the Netherlands, we are focused on individual responsibility, which is also attractive for certain kinds of people. Um, also, uh, because of uh, a lot of historical uh, developments, we have... Uh, um, and then I'm specifically, let's make it specifically, immediately I'm talking about whiteness and masculinity, for example... Um, we have uh, certain people have always been our leaders, so they have a better chance to become leaders. Um, so you are creating a certain kind of pool of people and a certain kind of behavior because taking individual responsibility also um, means that you often have a lot uh, um, creating a lot of pressure. People have to deal with a lot of pressure individually. Mistakes are always individual and people are afraid to make mistakes. So you're creating a very unsafe environment if you're focused on individual leadership all the time. So I wanted to make that case immediately. That's why I'm yeah. starting about the term, but I, I'm also curious, how does that resonate with you? Well, well, um, uh, I really recognize this because it's um, in the debate of leadership, it is constantly on the individual development. However, um, if you, for example, at this moment, there is an international uh, community arising about if we want to reach those the sustainable development goals, we really need to invest in our own inner development goals. And that's exactly not about individual leadership, but it's actually about 
being able to work with different perspectiveness, to connect, to appreciate what is, and to co-create. And it's much more about that collective power we have instead of creating those individual uh, superheroes, so to say, that need to change the world. No, we need to do this together. And we need to do that in a way that we are open for differences. We need to use actually our strengths and um, embrace those differences to make a better place in whatever, whether it's climate change or uh, human rights or all different kinds of topics. If it comes back to leadership, it's, it's not raising or nurturing those individual leaders. It's that, it's that power of, of, us as groups, as community, that can really make a difference. Yeah, that's and, beautiful. And that's, I think, uh, really in line what you are saying. Uh, but still, if I also look into um, all the publication about leadership, lots now, not all, absolutely not, but many, it's really focused on individual development. Happy that we started out this conversation with um, also deciding together what this means for us and and mm. um, it sounds like that we're in the in the sa- on the same line right uh, because otherwise um what i've also seen is that it becomes a, a talk about a, v- a very individual approach and I, I i definitely as you were describing also do not believe in that um, because system you cannot put system change on an individ- in the individual we need a collectives or communities for that um, so that's that is the base, and that's also something our interviewees describe in the inclusion marathon. Uh, but if if we dive into it more specifically, so um, what what are our interviews describing about um, this personal journey you can have, but also to to facilitate and to connect with communities? They, I think they start out with self-reflection and knowing yourself really well, but also knowing what privilege means, what your own privileges are and how you can share them. That's a very important part. I can also definitely recommend uh, Farsin Farsat. In general, we interview Dutch uh, diversity uh, practitioners, but he's uh, together with a Belgian one, he's an American uh, diversity practitioner. And he also shares a lot of very interesting insights about this. Also interesting to following on LinkedIn, for example, also about collective responsibility and collective action. Um, but uh, this is also about the, the important fact as, as, a, as a person to know what kind of privileges there are in the world, how the historical development behind it, how that works and what it means now. Um, and also reflect on yourself what kind of person you are, what kind of privileges you have and how you can share those privileges. And of course, they also mention um, all kinds of of other um, um, things that are very important for inclusive leaders. Um, Empathy, of course, vulnerability. I always have difficulty pronouncing that word. (laughs) I hope everybody understands. Um, But also, you know, um, um, also not putting yourself above others and not mm-hmm. not in the hierarchy of also the same but um, also as your person your lifestyle um, it, it's very the, 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 the word equity is very important in, in this respect um, that you that you do not do make assumptions about somebody else that you, you do not find your way of doing stuff the way of doing stuff but recognize it is a way of doing stuff 
creating room and time to getting to know each other, but also to, to be able to listen to your team or to each other as a team to make room for different kind of uh, perspectives. And uh, again, not um, trying to force your own perspective as the best perspective onto anything. Um, yeah. What I also really liked about our, our we decided to, to interview especially diversity practitioners because they are in uh, the field all the time. We also interviewed mm -hmm. researchers, which is also very interesting, of course, because you can reflect together. But what, what's also very uh, nice about these practitioners is that they give very small, very good examples. For example, um, uh, Elsa van der Loo is also a lawyer, but also um, is a trainer for the Commission of Human Rights in the Netherlands. Um, she always she also said, for example, be aware of your power, the power you have if you are uh, an, an official leader in an, in an official capacity. So, for example, if if you are hiring together with your team, you're hiring a new person, and you uh, after you've spoken to uh, some of them and you are discussing, for example, who is the best, don't start yourself as the boss, but wait until everybody else has, says, has said something. Because it, it, it's often more difficult for other people, they don't dare to um, have another opinion, for example. But also another one is be quiet, try to mm. be quiet more often. This is also something I have to learn, right? Because I like to talk <laughs> about. Um, but especially if you are in a power position, um, don't be so dominant all the time. I, I actually know a, a friend of mine at, at one point also working in journalism was sent to an assertivity course, which was crazy to me. This was only because she didn't speak up in, in, in meetings or something, but she was very good at her, her work. But the, the, the work culture was like, we have to shout. I'm yeah. making a bit bigger, but we have to shout and be heard. And and uh, she was, you know, she was totally overpowered by that because that was just not her character and her way of communicating. Mm. So she was forced to communicate in a certain way and was also forced to go on this assertivity course. <laughs> and that course leader in the end said, there's nothing wrong with your assertivity. <laughs> there's something wrong with the workplace. So I yes. recently I joked, why don't we send like more extrovert people uh, not that extrovert people are shouters per se, but why don't we send them to a course uh, to a course and uh, ask them, uh, which is called sh shut up a bit more often. Yeah. Uh, but you understand what I mean? I mean, being silent, um, I think silence is underestimated. On Absolutely. The silence and listening. And listening, yes. Listening, yeah. Just make room for somebody else. And especially, especially, and this is what Farsan Farsat is also uh, we are quoting him on that in our book, is especially if you are in a position of power, mm. be silent. You don't have to um, uh, tell your opinion every time. Yeah. What I also see, I'm not sure if you recognize it, but I think it's related to this, is that a lot of managers are afraid to share their uh, doubts or uncertainties because they ha have the feeling, and maybe that's also partially driven by that fact I as an individual need to do it right um, to um, to connect or communicate if they don't have all the answers or feel that they are in control and if they don't feel in control they don't connect or they don't open up or they kind of in this narrow focus well I think if we would allow ourselves to 
be a bit more open, although you might not have the answer or have questions or are a bit uncertain, uh, you you are allow yourself also to enrich yourself with other ideas and other mm-hmm. perspectives. And I think that's I think there's a lot of fear in the profession of managers um, and that they need to control. Yeah, you need to be you need to know the answer, right? Yeah. I mean, this is also the individual responsibility. You have to be the one yeah. to to say how it is, to decide, to decide all the time. Um, but this is also the vulnerability part we were talking about, is that um doubt, for example, I mean, I'm 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 all doubt, you know. And but but we come, we we live in an age, and this has been so for a longer time, where we are very fond of one-liners about people knowing um uh, what we would call in in the netherlands tegeltjes wijsheid so something you can put on walls like uh, famous quotes and um this is this makes us comfortable if people know the answer and uncertainty makes us very uncomfortable so that's what i sometimes also say if you talk about uh diversity equity and inclusion it it is also for uh, especially the dominant group, the norm in an organization, they have to get used to being unsure mm. and um, and to be uncertain at times. And this is um, especially in management. This is is they are forced to be sure. Yeah, <laughs> because exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I also like how you describe it because being if you are vulnerable and 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 also saying that you. But it's interesting, though, that we are calling it vulnerable. Yeah, oh that's God. true. But it's yeah. interesting because this is, I mean, I would say it's very strong, but I mean, being vulnerable is strong as well, that you can be, that you are open about your own mistakes, that you're open about not knowing it all the time. I mean, oh my God, it's very, very tough, right? To, to be the, to, to know it, to also always know the answer. Yeah. I mean, how awesome is it to, to learn from others and to share this responsibility as well. But it, it takes a mind shift, right? Because Absolutely. we have been working for a long time. We have been used to a work floor where uh, you, uh, it's being appreciated. If you say, you know it, if you, it's like, oh, okay, God. But also if you said, you know it, but then it turns out you're wrong. Oh, that's also a relief because you can blame it on one person. It's, I yeah. remember uh, very well. So the way I was brought up by my mother was um, always when something, yeah, if, if something happens that, that doesn't feel right or a mistake is made, just also uh, always research um, what your own part in it was. She was. She turned. Uh, she she always taught us to be very reflective in that. So I remember. <laughs> At my first job, it was like, oh, something, you know, went wrong or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I think uh, maybe it's also because I did this or that. And instead of other people saying like, yeah, and maybe I did this or that. I mean, sure, sometimes maybe it was entirely my fault, right? But the whole reflective part, people were like, yes, Zoe. Exactly. That's what you did. That's <laughs> really like, oh, Okay, so this is what's <laughs> happening when I'm reflective, right? And it's, 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 um, uh, it took me a little time to to realize what was happening, but it's it's um, it's very violent actually because you're yeah. um, you're trained to just always put the pl- blame on somebody else instead of collectively seeing and evaluating what have could have been done better. But people are always used to pick one person. 
or or one cause of what what happened and 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 that's that's the base of a very unsafe uh, environment yeah actually toxic toxic yeah. can be really leading to a toxic environment in many ways yeah hey and if you um if you look to have uh, we're now uh, uh, also focusing in in uh, on your developments of course, part of a bigger collective movement, eh? where, as you mentioned, we're not individual. But we also need to, uh, you explained as well, and I think that's really important as well, as professionals and persons, in a way, in life, to be reflective, to know yourself and to connect with yourself, to, in that way, also connect, I think, better with others. If you develop, uh, if you look back on your own development over the last years, what was for you a really crucial moment where you thought, well, here I really uh, made a significant difference for others or uh, uh, the situation I was in, uh, where you took kind of a, a leadership role, where you thought, yeah, here I really made a difference. And why was, why was that an important moment for you? Can you elaborate a bit on that? Uh, of course. Well, I think... Um, I was glad actually that you you sent me those questions in advance as well because it, 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 it I could think about it a little bit because it's it's um, always interesting looking back like what what could these moments be but I think for me uh, what was an important moment was for example the first book I wrote and mm-hmm. so we were we are talking a lot about individual uh, versus well not always versus but you know what I mean versus uh, the collective and. Um, the approach, uh, what Anne Brecht and I took for our first book, was not to write a book about with the two of us. Well, first, we decided to write a book with two persons instead of one. This is quite, I mean, in like scientific environments, sure, you have like maybe a professor who works together with few people, then it's maybe more common. Um, but in general, we are very used to individuals writing books. And um, in general, they will also write a book about their own experience and knowledge and or maybe interview a few other people. But it's very individually focused as well. And what we were saying and, and felt very strongly is why. Um, so we have our own knowledge and experiences. We want to combine that because it will we would, uh, felt it would make the book stronger because we came from different perspectives ourselves as well. And we also want to interview a lot of people who um, have their own experience and uh, knowledge and to com- combine that together because then we will form a collective and also we can collectively also again, because it was of course not the first time, but collectively again say, uh, um, the lack of diversity and inclusion and equity in mass media is is violent and dangerous, to put it very strongly. And uh, these are uh, the experiences, but also that's what we also, it was a constructive book as well. How can you change it? And um, um, I think that was also quite new. Um, the, the form was new. It was also form in between um science and popular journalism right so it was mm-hmm. more like research journalism um but also to to make a collective voice and to combine this so um this is also something that was maybe not immediately of course in certain groups but was also appreciated and it was also shown how strong it was because it was uh, especially if you talk about sens- sensitive topics like diversity equity and inclusion People find find all kinds of ways, all kinds of distraction maneuvers 
to say, yeah, but it's it's just one person who's saying it, or yeah, but it's it's only in that in in, in that organization we are doing quite fine. So we wanted to make it collective to show how structural it is and not that it's not only to combine all those individual experience to make it stronger. So, and, and of course this is actually the same as what Kauther and I did the same uh, research form and, and, and publication form we chose for our second book. So what I also noticed, and this was new for me. So I was somebody who was also always working behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the book, because it's a book and it's, you know, published then you, are a little bit more in the public eye. Um, yeah. So that was also new for me because it was also not something I was looking for. And because I believe so strongly in the collective, it's also something I, in the beginning, wrestled with a little bit because mm -hmm. I, why do I need to be in the collective eye, right? Um, on the other hand, I did what, what I noticed <laughs> and that, that there were a lot of people, especially from... Um, marginalized communities and especially in my case also people who are like myself bicultural for example who were so happy to see me speaking out publicly um, that I and, and I got a lot of messages and still and, and that is the only reason why I kept on going because being in a public place it is this is not, I mean, I I definitely have an ego. I, I'm not going to be, my, of course, I'm a person, right? It's not that I, but I, it was not my goal to be, and that I'm not very public. So for everybody that's listening, I'm not famous or anything. That's not the thing. But I speak out publicly on LinkedIn, for example, and have a small kind of following. And because I'm a journalist, um, um, that also tends me to, to sometimes be asking in, in programs or for these kind of nice interviews. <laughs> so, so, but this was something I wrestled with, but um, I also see that you do need uh, people to also speak out publicly. And it, it, for me, it also feels as a responsibility. So what, what, mm. what is something, mm. I think one of my talents is language. I mean, I'm a yeah. journalist. I, I was trained to, um, in storytelling, in, in, in choosing words and also be very critical on words. Um, so if I can use these talents to also um, facilitate the communities, the marginalized communities I'm, I'm trying to be in connection with and, and where I'm advocating for, then that is um, something I can use because that's the, mostly what I get back from people uh, in my uh, surroundings who email me, who, who send me messages, is, is I'm so happy. You always know how to find the words that I'm looking for. And then when I'm reading, I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's yeah, what fantastic. I want to say. Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely not you what I'm doing. It's just that I sometimes maybe know how to find forms of storytelling to put it into words. And if that is something that is um, supporting people, um, then I'm very happy about happy. it. Yeah, I can, and you kind of most likely also will represent or people will recognize or identify a lot with your words. Words might be actually representing what they would like to say or voice yeah. out. And it helps if they have uh, examples. And and, and, and and not everybody is a journalist and, themselves, right? I no. mean, I'm very happy. So for example, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm I'm a big fan and and uh, of, of of people who work as a diversity practitioners within uh, workplaces, right? I mean, I sometimes also am involved in in diversity training, but also like um, I give lectures or because I'm 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 more the person who can sometimes get 
leadership or, or organizations into focus and to say the things that people who work within the organization cannot say because of all kinds of power structures. But um, you would uh, it, it would be horrible for me and an organization if you would put me there for a few years. I mean, <laughs> that would not be a good idea. So I'm so very happy that there are a lot of people who are actually uh, prepared yeah. to do that, right? So yeah. I, I believe strongly in, in seeing where maybe your talents are and that and contributing those talents to well let's call it the cause but to change in this, in this yeah respect. yeah that's a, i uh it's really nice how you phrase that indeed like knowing yourself what you can do well and what you can do in a in a good way that really focus on that and and but also knowing what you cannot do you cannot right? do exactly and accept that as well because yeah. we're tempted to do everything no, and, please, uh, no. Yeah. yeah, but this is also, if, 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 if you will allow me, this is also the difficulty of as also the, the DEI field uh, and what I discuss a lot with people because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have always made sure that I'm not entirely dependent on uh, diversity work. Yeah. Um, I'm also a teacher. I'm, I'm also um, uh, an advisor in other fields. So I'm and a journalist, of course. And I, I had to work for that for quite some time because the thing is, if you're entirely dependent on diversity work, and I understand that, but then um, I would not maybe have the the um, the luxury to say no. I will not do a long term advisory. Uh, yeah whatever in an in an organization because i needed the money and i would never you know uh, blame people for doing that because i understand but for me um also because i'm so focused on on equity and power structures within this field um it was uh, essential that i also had other work uh, so that i wasn't uh, that i'm never dependent on diversity work and i can and, and, and i can say no and also know what i what are not my best qualities <laughs> in mm-hmm. the field yeah Feels yeah. Do you also feel by by having this um, well, not fully dependent on it? Also, the the idea that you are a more independent voice. Do you understand yeah. what I mean? That you are yeah. It's less... easy. Yeah. No, but you know, but also first, then when I wrote my book about the the so it's called "God an Angry Muslim" for me. It's a quote, and then a, a book about inclusive journalism. Um, so I already. Uh, 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 internally said my goodbyes to the institutional journalism career because I I knew that when I would I, it would have been impossible to write this book being in uh, yeah. permanent yeah. employment with whatever kind of journalistic uh, medium um, so uh, which is in a, in a way kind of it's if horrible no, really it's listening to this what you're saying right now is like oh my god no that's, that's quite kind painful. of a statement no, yeah of course it's 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 painful but i mean it was uh, for me it's okay because it was a personal choice because i decided myself that i wanted to be a journalist but not in an, in the institutions because i i i was just dying there because it was just so homogeneous and so um so limited the forms in which you can express yourself but also the topics you could express yourselves on it was very limited so i knew i had to find another way and it was difficult of course uh on in the other hand probably also easier again for me with the privileges i have so but it was a difficult journey um but for me it was the only journey i mean it's it's always easier when you look back to saying that no but that is very problematic i'm, I'm very glad that you <laughs> stipulate that because it was but um that also it, it's also the um 
what it also did is what it helped me to also see in journalism how important that that voice can be because yeah. what I often do now is I, I I wouldn't I definitely do not have the hardest work because the hardest work are the people that are within organizations and uh, I am on the exterior so I have way more freedom but what I um what I can do now is that I for example say once people ask me to come into their organization for a shorter period uh, in what form uh, um, in whatever form um, I will ask them what are the things you want to say or what you think is problematic and then I can voice it for them because mm. for me it's easier because I'm in and out yeah. um, but so it is not that I'm giving more worth to what I'm doing I want to make that clear not that you are saying that right but it's just it's it's a form I have created and 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 I think has some worth in the sense that I can sometimes voice things that are um, a bit more sharp uh, because I am working from the outside. However, it's way harder to work from the inside. inside. Yeah, but I also think uh, if you look to uh, most likely, but that's an assumption, <laughs> I, what I really like about this, uh, what you're sharing is that you really found a form for your unique talents and your drives and the way you would like to work. So you created your own unique way of working um and um an assumption i have is like if if i would interview now uh somebody who would work within most likely if it's that person would also flourish in that so because it fits his yeah, or her yeah. or that whatever exactly. need. so um i think uh, we all um are creating our own form which and that i think will contribute to uh, right? exactly yeah 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 to looking to those uh conditions hey and is there also, um, we all have those uh, things that you were, if you look backwards, mm, I was, if I could do it another time, I could do it differently oh, or yeah. those beautiful failures, <laughs> we think like, mm. but most of the times those, th- those moments bring a lot. Oh, um, yes, I have, I have many and will, there will be many as well in the future. So uh, what, uh, the first thing, I guess, what came up to me was also in the research process of uh, my first book got an angry muslim for me so what often so it's uh, i i think i already of course i was i was self-reflective in the sense i already knew that everybody has a different communication style in the way you talk to each other and the one person likes to be approached in that way the other in that way i mean especially in journalism you uh, it, it helps if you develop a sort of skill to to see how people want to be approached and that people are different in that for for example want to be asked to be interviewed for example especially if the topic is sensitive so of course um um so we interviewed over 50 people for for god and angry muslim for me these were almost all of them were bicultural um journalists um and we asked and they were within our network most of them we already knew them but there was one person I approached after I was at the, at the editorial meeting of of, um, um, of the place she worked at. And then afterwards I walked to her and I was, I mean, we knew each other, but not like that well, but I was very enthusiastic. because It's also who I am, right? But still, I was like, yeah, and uh, we're doing writing this book and it would be awesome if we could interview you. And I saw that she like crumbled a little bit and was like, what's happening or something? 
also forgot to say this it was her first day at that specific yeah uh, so it was uh, and later on because in the end she agreed like we also were in in, in touch by by email and she gave that back to me i'm very thankful to her um when the interview started she explained to me because this for her which i knew of course but i just wasn't that it wasn't sensitive enough about it that moment first of all it was her first day i should have been thoughtful of that it's always for everybody very exciting uh, to be there as, at, at a certain place for the first time and also i mean she's she's more an introvert person and also this topic she had 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 experienced so many problematic things about the lack of diversity in journalism that for her it was a very sensitive topic to talk about so although we knew each other a little bit for me to approach her in that setting and a bit too lightly maybe and a bit too like I was already you know I, I didn't it wasn't like I actually made the assumption that she of course would want to be interviewed but it felt for her like I already made that assumption and and when she said it to me and of course it was a little painful to hear because I always have the feeling I'm quite charming and nice and very uh, susceptible to how people are feeling but well clearly <laughs> I wasn't so for me that was a very um, I see it as a, a thankful moment that somebody took the time and energy to give that back to me mm. um, that's also something Parson Farsad says in our book where we quote him on is it's a gift if somebody takes the yeah. time to to explain this to you and it means that a person cares eh? yeah exactly yeah and also uh, uh and this was uh, this was a, about a form of communication and and the way you approach people but he's also talking about when um you from your place of privilege say something make a a, a horrible joke or whatever or say something offending and then the people who the person who isn't with uh the victim of your joke or uh, is taking the time to to still point it out to you that's i mean not even more but that's you know that that's what that's the context where he makes his remarks so considering as a gift instead of being like yeah but i didn't mean it like that or yeah, yeah. yes but uh i know another person and this person doesn't mind when i make jokes like that you know all, all that kinds of stuff but just taking the time to listen to take it in and it's 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 fine that you may be a bit ashamed or that's a bit painful that's fine I mean, that's also a place of learning, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, um, and I learned a lot from that moment to, to always be considerate of the context environment, but also the way I approach people and sometimes also ask what is a nice way for you to approach you and to have a certain kind of conversation mm. because everybody is different and it's, and yeah. we tend to, to work from our own perspective because that is what we know. Uh, yeah. and it, 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 of course and it, it's it's not that that's wrong it's that the it just uh, makes uh communication so much better if you realize that your kind of your way of communicating is not the way and especially not the best way of communicating but just a way a way yeah 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 it's a, it's a really nice example of um um you you quoted it earlier you mentioned it earlier it's like embracing the the insecurity or that 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 moment of like ah, but just let it be and learn from it instead of fighting it or try to um counteract or have for example you could also have reacted to that to that uh person like uh 
but I didn't mean it like that with all kinds of counter arguments. Um, but instead, you. Uh, well, I might. I, I didn't. I'm not. Not exactly sure what I said when she meant. I probably maybe I also said like, oh, I mean, I, I remember saying like, oh, I didn't. I didn't know. Thank you for saying this, and it I, it wasn't my intention, of course. I might have sure. said that as well. I, I think I would not say that anymore, but um, uh, but we had a very good talk about it. Yeah, that's and exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. The the, the, yeah. the thing is that you don't. Uh, I guess is that of course it's not your intention. In in general, no. it's nobody's atten- intention. But are you willing to learn? Are you willing to listen and then to learn? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a phrase we can put on a on a tegeltje. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right one final question zoe um this is a question i uh, asked to to all the people i interview it's really kind of a hypothetical question or a dream or whatever but what if if um and it started actually with the in in our the last fall there was this glasgow conference this big conference all those world leaders coming together uh pleading for uh, climate change but at the end what actually happened i'm not sure but then a voice said to my what if these world leaders would invest more in really their leadership and really well maybe we should skip inclusive because as you mentioned (laughs) real leadership should actually be inclusive uh period (laughs) so um um if you wonder about a question, if more, if there would be more investment in leadership development, and and then again, that should be then inclusive. What would be the effect of that in our society? Well, especially if you're focused on collective leadership and and the collective, which I think is very important. Um, I would think we would have a more uh, just world. I'm convinced of that. Um, so that also means, and I think, uh, well, in the Netherlands, uh, uh, um, Professor Hale Rashi is one of the person who has said that, and probably other people as well. But it also, collective leadership also means that you not always take yourself as the point of departure, but <clears throat> that, that you start to take uh, other perspectives, um, make them as just as valuable, and, and maybe take the, the, that as the point of departure. So um, I find that always a, a beautiful way of, seeing that so to make it to make it very concise or very practical um, you can also go into a meeting uh, not trying to be hurt yourself but to see if you can try to make others people being uh, hurt and not from a savior perspective but just not always being your own advocate and I understand that this can also be different. I'm talking now eh, if you're coming from a pay- place of privilege, because if you're not coming from a pay- place of pay- uh, privilege, it's already something to be heard at all. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. have to work a lot harder to be heard as, as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would be very happy if... Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with talk of leadership, but none of it's focused on individual leadership and the capitalization of individual leadership. So if it's also about how we can, uh, within an organization or within uh, bigger uh, issues in the world, can see how we can collectively come to solutions, uh, not always putting our own interests um, at the top of everything. But yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing myself saying this now. I'm like, oh, dear. 
that but is this, very difficult hey, that, and it's all it sounds all like yeah of course of course of course, of course. but i mean a, a person has to dream right Exactly. That's why I asked this question. I, I forced you into this position. <laughs> that's all the idea. Uh, but uh, no, that's actually, uh, sometimes it's good to zoom out, I believe, just to sure. like, have what if, those what if questions. And I, I really like, um, for me, the word uh, relating to comes in mind. You relate to, as a leader, you relate to others, you relate to the world. And it's the art of doing that, how you do that, how you do that in a way that you relate to other perspectives and that maybe you indeed... Without imposing yourself. Imposing yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there is, I think, uh, uh, a beautiful essence of art of leadership we can definitely uh, embrace more and put in practice more. I think it's it's not only words, but also actions actually make the difference. Yeah. Thank you so much for that um, dreaming. <laughs> I like to dream sometimes to, uh, to, and then come back to reality. Thank you so much, Zoe, for your time and your um, sharing your lessons and your reflections on these important topics. And um, if you want to know more about Zoe, just follow her on LinkedIn. She posts amazing uh, sources of inspiration information. So do that. Um, her books uh, are also really recommending to uh, to read thanks for listening to this podcast series of changemakers again and if you have any questions for me either for Zoe let us know uh, contact us and uh, see you next time ciao